0: Hello, Ben here. Welcome to another episode of Virtual Man Cave Podcast as we take a not so deep dive into life as a man of faith in Jesus. I can't believe we're in episode three of season two already. And I'm enjoying this focus for the first four episodes on fatherhood. And for the other four episodes of this season, we'll be focusing our interviews on marriage. And so hopefully, it's helpful for you. Hopefully, it's good listening. Thank you to those who are tuning in. Thank you to everyone who is jumping on the Facebook page, Virtual Man Cave Podcast, and liking, commenting. If you've got something encouraging to say, chuck it on the Facebook page. that will be fantastic. And let's keep rolling. Sporting Moments with Dan with journalist and sports enthusiast Dan how are you mate very good Ben that's great we have gone through your top sporting movies Uh, so many great movies to choose from always controversial but you had some solid choices there we're just going to go for the next few weeks we're just going to go down a totally different pathway as well we're going to hit up some obscure sports we are going to talk about highlight some sports that you may never have heard of but you may uh, get interested in after our conversation. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to go through three obscure sports Dan's taken an interest in. And so we're going to start today. What are we going to start with, mate?
1: The first one um, is called calcio storico and I, and people are probably going to hammer me for my pronunciation. It's an old Italian sport. Yeah, dates back about five hundred years. Wow. So basically, in Florence, once a year, there's this competition where for one weekend they play this game, and it's essentially rugby and soccer uh, mixed with bare knuckle boxing, mixed <laughs> with MMA. It's played on a on like a dirt field, probably the size of it's not it's not a big field it's it's a maybe like the size of two tennis courts side by side so it's 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 big enough for them to have a bit of run but it's not like a footy field yeah and essentially it's played by four different teams the blues the reds the whites and the greens and these four teams are divvied up by the areas of Florence that these people are from. So there's a lot of pride. You, you can only play for your town. Yep. And uh, they're considered these modern day gladiators, the, the guys are ripped they're absolutely shredded they're all tatted up they look like absolute monsters and beasts so essentially what you need to do is you know you get the ball from one side of the other one side to the other and score it in this little fence net thing okay and there's no rules literally if you've got the (laughs) ball in your hand you can get taken to the floor and you need to just take the ball off the guy. But on the side, there's all these little pockets of fights. Like there's no, some guys aren't even there to try and get the ball. They're just trying to fight one another. (laughs) So they go, the games go for about 50 minutes. So it's 50 minutes of just straight up fighting, wrestling. It's insane. And so there's no prize money, but you win like the glory um, of that weekend for that one year. And so these four teams hate one another, but once a year they get together. It's this absolute, it's just mayhem. It's, it's very cool, and there's yeah. there's there is a documentary on Netflix at the moment that looks at the sport. there's okay. a couple of things um, on Vice, the website, um, so Calcio storico, have a look at it it's It's just mayhem and
0: it's all about the glory all about, about the, the glory. glory, which made me think of another sporting movie that uh, I'm really upset that you didn't put it in in our previous chat, Nacho Libra. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I thought you were going to go with Blades of Glory. Don't
0: you want to? Don't you want a taste of the glory? See what the glory tastes like. So this this sport is very obscure. It sounds crazy. I don't think you'll get me playing it. But if you want to check it out, you can hit up the Netflix uh, documentary. Thanks so much for introducing us to Caccio...
1: Calcio storico.
0: Calcio storico. Thanks, mate. See ya. See you next week. Back. With the Burger Boys, a weekly segment on Virtual Man Cave. Joel. <laughs> hey. And so we're talking all things burgers and so today I want to I want us to talk about what we look for in our perfect mm-hmm. burger. What is our perfect <laughs> burger? Yeah, we can we can that can be another segment where we talk about what we look for in in, in the perfect woman. Yeah. But this one is all about burgers. So mm-hmm. what is your go-to Burger that kind of never disappoints in terms of the ingredients.
2: Nah, uh, yeah, I I look for a my favorite is got to be the beef, bacon, and crispy onions. There's something okay. about the crispy onions, yep. and then jalapenos is, is always just a winner for me. Yep, uh, and just something about it, crispy onions that just brings it to life. Uh, and uh, there's a great burger at uh, Royale's that they have a burger called the Stevie Wonder, and it's exactly that. And it's just amazing how you know the crispiness. The jalapeno, the bacon, just all works beautifully Do you double up? Nah. You just just go the single? Simple, simple, single guy. It's got the
0: cheese on both sides, isn't it? It's got the double cheese. Yeah, yeah, it does. Which adds... That is a a great one. And that's a staple across most great burger joints is Mm. that spicy Mm. jalapeno... Yeah. I think it's the McFly at, at Varsity that has similar yeah yeah varsity is the og right in Mm. In perth Mm. Uh, joel introduced me me to varsity and that's kind of where you know the burger scene really took off in in perth what five six years ago something like that yeah oh man i remember taking taking the boys from the pilbara to to Varsity and, and talk them into having the Presley, oh, uh, no. and they were just flabbergasted, <laughs> but just seeing the look on their faces, they were tasting the combination of banana and peanut butter for the yeah, very first time with bacon, bacon.
2: <laughs> it was
0: amazing, yeah, for me, it's the double beef, double cheese and bacon, that combination is just, I, I something mm-hmm. about the double beef I just absolutely love, I love That's that,
3: the, double the oil and the
0: fat and Ooh, the so juice much. is just flowing, Uh, That is sensational, and and the best one I've ever had is from my favorite burger joint. It's called 8-Bit. Original store is in Footscray, so there's an extra little love there. And Brian Stubbs and I, when we went to Melbourne, we went there for the first time. We had peanut butter shakes with them. And I just love – we'll talk sides another time. That combination for me was perfect, and there was an an 8-Bit that we discovered in Sydney, right Joel? Yes, uh, yeah, on, amazing. And we were there for a conference, and it was like, every, that was the highlight. Day. That was the <laughs> highlight of my <laughs> time there. Conference was good, <laughs> <laughs> but I basically we went there pretty much every single day, and everyone I, I connected with, I'm like, come come and have a burger with me, let's chat. And so 8-Bit for me is, is the absolute winner. That's all for Burger Boys for this week. Thanks guys. Packing proverbs proverbs 15 18 a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict the one who is patient calms a quarrel uh, as a dad as a husband as a man i feel like hot-temperedness anger is a sidekick a constant sidekick ready there waiting when i need it and most situations 99 percent of the situations don't need that sidekick Don't need that anger, that hot temper to come into the situation because as the proverb says, it only stirs up the conflict. You add temper, you add anger to a situation, it's an ingredient that multiplies the conflict. It reinforces the divide. And we might think when we get angry, we're resolving or ending the conflict, but it only causes it to simmer down and keep bubbling away to come up at another time. Patience, on the other hand, means that we can be calm means that we can breathe that we can consider our thoughts that we can say words that we mean instead of say words that we don't mean and that we can walk away if necessary and so it's really important that as we push aside anger and choose to be patient and choose to allow the fruit of the spirit that is patience to continue to flourish in our lives that we're aware of the triggers that can cause us anger the topic the, the certain child who pushes the buttons the certain words that are spoken that impact us and so it's really important that we are making a choice to not allow that ingredient of anger that sidekick of anger to be utilized and that we continue to foster the fruit of the spirit that is patience back with a great segment on virtual man cave podcast song intros with trent we have musician songwriter trent williams with us hey mate hey ben how are you
2: i'm good good how are you
0: doing so well i'm really looking forward to our song intros for this week i think we are doing the 2000s
2: that would be about right yeah we've covered the decades uh, before that yeah yeah up to this one all right what have you got for us Um, I've got two intros. Um, hopefully both you'd recognize upon hearing them. Yeah. The first one I'll play will be a, um, you know, you might not know the name of the song or anything, but you probably know the introduction. Right. Um, So I'll, I'll play it if you know it. Tell me. Go for it. All right.
0: cool definitely recognizable <laughs> tune and intro but i couldn't for the life of you tell <laughs> who did it and and what the name of the song is so
2: that would be the white stripes and the name of the song is seven nation army
0: seven nation army very recognizable nice mate what do you what's the second one you got for us this week
2: so i've picked um yeah, i have picked another one this one's you know uh, like a personal favorite um this is be one of the first Uh, songs I learnt on the guitar, on the acoustic guitar anyway. Hmm. Um, So it's a special one for me. Yeah, I'll just play it and I'll tell you what it is after.
0: I'm pretty sure I know it's Jack Johnson. I wouldn't wouldn't be able to tell you the name of the song, though. Yeah,
2: no, you got that one right. That's Jack Johnson, and the name of the song is Taylor.
0: Taylor. So tell me, why do you love that song and love playing that song, other than the fact that you you learnt it Mm. when you first started?
2: Um, I think it's quite cool, um, that little riff there, and it's just based on two chords, that one, and... Yep. That one there, yep. with some little bits and pieces in between it. Uh, so it's, you know, like, it's a bit like all these ones that we've done. It's, you know, at the, the, the bones of them are very simple. Yeah. And I think that's probably what makes them recognizable is that they're just simple. They're easy to get your head around. Yeah. So that one, that's a special one for me, but also one that, you know, you're not going to miss.
0: Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, mate, for song intros of the 2000s. We're going to hear... In the coming weeks, the song intros of the 2010s, which will be interesting. Thanks, Mm, mate. Thank you. JR Rules for Fitness, back for this week on Virtual Man Cave Podcast. Health coach James Rose, how are you, mate?
4: Yes, good. Thank you, big Ben. Yourself?
0: I'm doing well. All the better for seeing you and speaking to you, mate. We talked in a previous podcast episode about having our diet that's helping to reduce inflammation in our body when we're recovering from injury and I thought let's let's dig down a little bit deeper And let's talk about some specific foods that can aid in recovery that are almost anti-inflammatory by nature. And then those foods that we should stay clear of when we are trying to recover from injury.
4: Yeah, great, great, great question. And so look, when it comes to diet, it's it's almost the same formula for every question. Healthy, clean food is going to help your body to function at its best, recover and rehabilitate. And so- In terms of anti-inflammatory, you just want to make sure your diet's filled of great green leafy vegetables, spinach, yep. broccoli. They're, they're, these these are you know really basic foods that are going to help. Uh, tomatoes are another great option there. Your nuts, so your, your good fats from your nuts, walnuts, almonds. Then you've got your fatty fish, your salmons, all yep. those kind of things. You, you want to get good fats. Into your body that's gonna help with the process. Olive oil is another great option. And when, when we're talking olive oil, we're kind of talking at it at a room temperature level, not a cooked level. Things with oils is oils have what we call a smoke point. And so once they hit a certain temperature, the the goodness of them can actually change. And so okay. olive oil at in an uncooked state is also gonna be really good. And then your fruits, your berries, your strawberries, blueberries, that kind of stuff. And then you've also got kind of spices, things like turmeric are going to be really helpful in managing that, that inflammation. And so yeah. on the flip side of that, everything that's kind of on the naughty list, so to speak, and it's not about cutting these out of your diet, but if your diet is overloaded with them, yes. it's going to create, again, that inflammation in your body that is purely just from, from diet. So things that, that have a high sugar or high fructose corn syrup, Yep. Kind of base artificial fats. So you know, as much as you might love your two-piece feed from KFC Come every on. lunchtime, it. it's probably not great to have it every day. Once a week, um, <laughs> and once a week maybe. And so, and then you, you refined carbohydrates. So chips, lollies, cakes, donuts—all yeah. the things we love—but just just limit them, guys. Yeah. Um, alcohol. If you're excessive in your alcohol. Again, your body, you've got to remember that alcohol is a toxin to the body. It might be part of your day. It might be part of your routine for whatever. But when it comes down to it, it's a toxin that you you just got to make sure is done in a healthy way. And then processed meats. So you kind of salamis, highly processed meats, which are going to be high in fat and sodium.
0: Just don't mention bacon. Please don't mention bacon.
4: Look, just everything's okay. Just, you know, <laughs> but don't, don't neglect all these are great foods that you don't need to go and get a multivitamin necessarily as your first point of call yeah. when you can be getting a lot of great vitamins and minerals from your diet and yes. just reducing some of the, just become good friends with your liver and mm. your, your kidneys. Stop putting them under stress every single day. Give them a break. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: That's some great wisdom there, mate. Thank you so much. I'm sure people are going to take a lot out of that, even if it's just one thing, one good thing, one key next step, one little shift and change, one tweak in our in our diet. That's going to be really helpful. Thanks so much, James. Speak soon. Well, it is a great privilege for me to introduce onto the Virtual Man Cave podcast a good friend of mine. His name is Mike Groves. Hello, Mike.
3: Thanks for inviting me into the Virtual Band Cave.
0: Absolutely fine. The main reason I've, I've invited you in is because of the dulcet tone of your voice. I just love, love your voice. It, it is a voice for radio. And not to say you don't have a face for TV, but you've got a great voice for radio. Well,
3: I, I did spend more time on radio than I did television. So there you go. But I did some.
0: Well, tell me, Mike, uh, you're married. How long have you been married to the wonderful Anne for?
3: it 24 years, Ben. Uh, it's been an absolutely uh, amazing 24 years.
0: And you've produced a couple of uh, ripping kids.
3: Yeah, look, uh, absolutely. Simon and Claire are the absolute uh, they're fantastic kids, the wonderful kids, uh, and we love spending time with them. And uh, yeah, we're ever so proud of them and, uh, and and the inroads they're making into their own lives, but also just the, the way they contribute to ours. Yes, yeah. you know, we just love being around them.
0: How long have you been a, a Christian, you, a follower of Christ?
3: Then, uh, it wasn't until I moved over to Perth that I became a Christian. in fact, I met the person who was going to lead me to Christ not long after I arrived in fact, two days after I arrived in Perth, 26 years I've been a Christian. Uh, wow. And I, I like to think that uh, God had to get me out of, out of Sydney to uh, isolate me enough to, to, Get, his, uh, get get my get his attention
0: don't don't talk about isolation it's too it's too soon to talk about <laughs> isolation. Mate. that's that's brilliant and and what still compels you to be a follower of Jesus
3: it's a really good question Ben um, I think what really lays it down for me is the fact that I am reminded constantly that as, as much as the kid my kids are the apple of our eyes uh, I'm the apple apple god's eye and that reminds me that i am loved Mm. and that i too have immense value to him Mm. regardless of all of the things that i have done and all of the things that i'm going to do so uh, if i project that that love that i have on my towards my children the love that he has for me is multiplied i'm sure Uh, and that just brings me to my knees
0: that's amazing amazing grace that that is what it's all about is that free gift of grace and love we have access to an incredible well of love to not only receive for ourselves but to give to others as as you've so uh, brilliantly articulated now what do you do for a job
3: so uh, i go by the name or the t- job title of uh, a, sen- a senior director uh, at strategic communications at uh, at a Company that I work for, FTR Consulting, and the best way to describe what I do is it's public relations on steroids. Um, <laughs> so, some PR firms do weddings; we tend to do funerals. Uh, <laughs> so when when our clients have really Uh, business critical things that they need to communicate uh, whether it's to media or to government or to other stakeholders we get involved and we help with that we tend not to do the 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 other side of PR Um, sometimes the measure of our success is what doesn't get published as opposed to what we do get in the paper. Uh,
0: You're someone I look up to greatly in many ways but one of the main ways is in the way you father your children, and we've we've had many a coffee, many a catch up together, just chatting all things, fathering and, and parenthood and you're, you're a fair bit further along the, the journey than me in terms of your kids being older. You've gone through the teenage years, you've got adult children now, uh, but there is so much wisdom that uh, you have uh, imparted into me in terms of how to to be a great dad and how to get the best out of your kids and so i wanted i just wanted to create a space where some of that wisdom that i've been the beneficiary of uh, can be imparted to some of the listeners of the virtual man cave podcast and so let's start from early on describe your relationship with your dad growing up
3: it's a really interesting question ben um I've, uh, I remember my dad, one of the more uh, memorable things I have, my uh, memories I have of my dad is, is he was always tired. Dad, when I was a very young boy, uh, dad was uh, an auto mechanic and he left that and became a paramedic, or as, that, as he then was uh, an ambulance man, an ambulance officer. So dad was always tired. Tired most of the time he worked, uh, worked a 10-14 roster, so 10-hour day, 14-hour night, and then four days off. So, a really tight, really tight. Like, Dad had a better relationship with my brothers. I think uh, I was a third of three boys, okay. and while, so, so I think by the time I came along, Mum said, "Look, stand aside, John. I'll, I'll take this one." So, <laughs> um, so Mum, my brothers say Mum had more, more of a say in my raising than Dad did. Okay. So, uh, Mum and I were pretty tight, and I think we kind of clashed a little bit. He was quite headstrong, belligerent at times. And that was a a sort of an emotion and a a, a response to stuff that I hoped in in my adulthood that I wouldn't emulate, but I'm absolutely sure that I did. He thoroughly loved all of us without Mm. question. Uh, He did everything he could uh, for us, uh, provided for us. We we never went without. But I think it was more my relationship with mum that perhaps more defined the, the person that that I am. Uh, But the interesting thing was it wasn't until dad was in his 60s, I think. In his early 60s, he fell ill. Uh, uh, Dad was a smoker, so was mum. He developed a tumour on his brain and then then throat cancer. So it wasn't until he became really ill that he and I grew closer. I moved home. I cared for him through his nine months of of cancer. And uh, yeah, it's where we actually became closer, much, much closer.
0: So before you had kids yourself, how, how did that whole picture of fatherhood and being a father, how, how was that impacted uh, by your own relationship with your dad, do you think?
3: Really good question, Ben. And I, the only way I could answer that, let me begin by answering that by saying I've lived longer without dad than I did with him. As a later teen in my early 20s, uh i was really looking for uh looking towards other blokes uh other older men
2: yeah.
3: uh, either in my work environment or in, in in social structures to not necessarily show me how to be a parent because i had no expectation that i was going to become one it was yep. not a thing that was on my radar it was like by 25 i want to be married and by yep. 27 i want to have kids <laughs> it was uh to me it was more about being uh being a bloke uh, and being human uh, and how you relate to people, and how you treat people, and how you operate in the workspace, and how you operate socially. So, what I did take away from my memory of Dad, and he—I was about 25 when he died—was an incredible work ethic, understanding. And it wasn't until the end of his life that I actually understood the tension that he had to 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 manage between his own pa- his own parents, particularly his mum, and us. Yeah. Uh, and we grew up in, this, uh, in a small country town in New South Wales. Dad moved us as a family to Canberra so that we could have better opportunities. But he was always dealing with that tension between going home to see his parents, yeah. particularly his mum, and us.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it wasn't until later in my life, or later in his life, uh, towards the end of his life, that uh, he actually confessed that uh, uh, that tension uh, was, was really, really difficult for him. Uh, a very difficult strain on his uh on his persona and to me even just saying this to you now ben sometimes i I wonder if if that contributed to the belligerence that I, i i heard from him a lot it was uh as you know in moments of tension we can say things or respond in a way that is unguarded and i wonder if that's if that part of that tension that fight that internal fight that dad had and amongst all the awful stuff that he saw in his day and, yeah. and and job, probably came to the fore.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a common a, a common theme that comes up in, and has come up in these interviews for Virtual Man Cave podcast in talking to, to dads, and there is there there is that tension that constant tension between that the whole leaving leaving your your parents and your family and cleaving to your wife and, and creating that new family. And there is always that tension between the family you, you were raised in and the family that you've created. And uh, my, I remember talking to my, my parents and it really didn't, didn't hit me till I was 30, 30, the age of 30, what my parents gave up in leaving their parents in England and all their brothers and sisters and moving halfway around the world to set up, uh, a great life and future for myself and my brother. And, and I guess that's echoed in some degree to your dad moving you guys to, to Canberra.
3: I saw a documentary a couple of weeks ago uh, about this fellow who was uh, an artist and uh, an architect and he wanted to build his own home and his dad died uh, when he was in his mid teens. Mm. And he re- he, re- he said in this interview that he knew his dad was sick, he knew his dad was dying. On the the night that his dad died, he he said to his mum, gee, I hope I've learned everything I need to know from him because there's nothing left he can tell me. Hmm. And that actually sort of struck a chord with me because with dad, uh, I wasn't, I didn't draw upon dad as the confidant that I needed yeah because i was i was just a self-centered you know late teens early 20s yeah. getting in my getting on in my career trying to yeah. find my own life and that sort of stuff so uh i didn't draw alongside dad like my eldest brother did who to this day and rob's in his early 60s still grieves for dad hmm. uh, still misses dad this head of the family figure yeah. uh, in in his, his dad and, and a grandfather to his kids I when I became a parent, when Anne and I had Simon, I had lived at least twenty years it, yeah, that's twenty years, no, not twenty years a, a, a fair distance of my life, mm. fair portion of my life without him,
0: yeah,
3: and so I've had to make major major personal decisions and major decisions without him, yeah without having his wisdom to draw upon. The difference for me is that my son Simon. Uh, doesn't have that gap, he has yeah. me around, yeah. he has Anne and I around too, and, yeah. and so does Claire for, uh, in fact it just happened uh, over the weekend, it just he had a, a major de- decision to make, he came to us said, this is what I'm thinking, what are your thoughts? Uh, Mm. And we did the, you know, well, you could do it this way, you could do it that way. This is how how it's going to work. How urgent is this? What's it Mm. mean for you? We just talked it through and we didn't say you should do one thing or the other, but Mm. he made his decision and he made his decision based on on wise counsel. Mm. I didn't have that. So the tension I had was I had to make it up as I went. And because of the church family that I had grown into, there were men around that I could, you know, call out and say, look, you know, Len, I need a bit of fatherly here. I'm thinking about doing this. What's your, what's your, what's your vibe on that? Or, you know, uh, or or pastors in that church. There's there's some, so they were blokes. So I didn't, I, although I had lost my dad, I had other men who fathered me in moments that I needed fathering.
0: That's powerful. And I wasn't,
3: and I wasn't, and I wasn't afraid to ask for the help.
0: Well, that's two things you've said there, the power of community. We cannot underestimate the power of community and having even, even those with, with our dads around still, it's so important to, to get that multitude of, of wise counsel and those great people around us. And then not being afraid to ask. I think that is there's something so brilliant in that. And I think there's a humility in you, Mike, that I just love and I'm attracted to is, is that you're just willing to go, yep, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And there's other people, there's someone out there that knows what they're doing. Uh, in this particular area, I'm just going to ask. I'm going to keep asking until I find the answer. And so, there's something so powerful. We might have community around us, but it's in that asking, that stepping out and asking that we can, we can then experience the power and the impact that that community can have. And so, that's brilliant.
3: Well, the the, the flip side of that is you in community, you can actually look at blokes and say, "Man, I'm not doing that." <laughs>
0: yes, <laughs> that's true. You get the whole gamut, man. You? Uh, you've obviously experienced a lot of different stages of your kids lives now that they're adults tell us what what are some of the stages the seasons that that you've enjoyed the
3: most i think asking me to find or, or, or choose my favorite season of a kid's life is actually asking me to pick my favorite child that's just <laughs> not possible because each of them each of each of the stages is and and this is you know god is just so good because he lets us in. We can only live life in linear time, yeah. And so we don't know what's to come, we only know what we're experiencing and what we have experienced. So, where you're at in your parenting, where you're at in your fatherhood is it. And yeah. so, if you don't make that your favorite time, then hey, you know, you, you're, you're waiting for the next best thing, That's which about. might not ever occur. But when we knew we were having Simon, uh, we were very deliberate in working out how we were going to parent him and who, whoever else we would have, uh, whoever would come and join our family and that was thankfully Claire. So we took, uh, we again we took wise counsel and we followed an intentional family program because we wanted to parent for the teenage years, we didn't mm. want to parent for the next five minutes, we didn't want to mm. parent for so I could have a cup of tea or I have three minutes break. It was how are we going to raise these kids because our relationship is the primary relationship in the family, they're welcome members of the family, how can we make this work so that we are all having a great time as much as we could possibly be at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah absolutely. Um, So you know there are there are little moments and little snippets and, and little things that happen throughout that I can recall that you. Know, oh, yeah, that was great. Well, I, I really loved that moment. Like, actually, no, I promised. I promised myself that I wouldn't tell stories, but um, <laughs> but I would have to say that knowing, living, living now, seeing our, our kids as the great people, great young people that they are, mm. means that that this is my favorite time. Yeah. When Simon was going through year 12 and, and watching him practice piano and and, and learning stuff and, and getting ready for a performance, that was my favorite time. Hmm. Watching Claire, you know, uh, wanting to pursue uh, having a crack at playing basketball and seeing her having a go at that, that was my favorite thing because she was doing something that she'd never done before and it was hard. Yeah.
0: And, and what, now,
3: now is my favorite time.
0: You parenting for the teenage years, you parenting for the long haul, is is so important because you're not just addressing behaviors at the time you're trying to instill values you're you're trying mm. to you're trying to forge characteristics godly characteristics within your kids that can stand the test of time when they are adults and they're standing on their own two feet and so what are some of those values what are some of those characteristics that you've held really dear that you've prioritized to make sure were being instilled in your kids.
3: Well, let me start by saying uh, Simon and Claire about the fact that they're each other's best friend. I remember I, uh, I wrote uh, when the kids were born, I wrote them each a, a, a letter, and they didn't get it until they were uh, uh, older. Uh, hmm. Claire was eighteen, Simon was twenty-one when he got his. And I, when I reread Claire's. Uh, uh, it, it, they're the, the living out the thing that, we had, that I had hoped would hmm. be for them, which was that they're each other's best friend. Hmm. Um, and you know, in the very few times when, when they were you know, quibbling with one another, and there were never they, there were never any out now Barneys, barnies. They were just quibble and niggle, you know. Hmm. And I just say to them, you know, you know what, mate? Claire is not your competitor, or yeah. Simon is not your competitor. Yeah. You actually compliment one another in this yeah, family. Right. So let's 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 work that out. Let's yeah. let's see each other in that light. So you mm. compliment one another. We wanted to as, to be as resilient as possible. Bad things happen. Yeah uh, and things and, and things are disappointing. And friends will let you down. Yep. I will let you down. You know, bad stuff happens. Let's learn how to be resilient, not right. stiff up a lip and ignore it and make it go away. But let's let's understand that, you know, there's no blood, there's no fire, you're not dead. So let's let's make our way through this and see what we can do to 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 rise above it um find good friends i think uh and and nurture those friendships uh and and they've been able to do that and of course as 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 we all have we have friends who have passed passed through our life we don't have friends who are our friends forever mm. both of the kids have had friends that have passed through their lives and, and as those friendships have moved on, to a degree, the kids have invested in those friendships, but they have actually grieved the end of those relationships, uh, because that's just, you know, and that's really nice. Yeah. It's not, you're not happy that the friendship has ended. You're actually happy that, my goodness, he was actually, they were invested in this friendship. It meant something to them. Yeah. And the interaction that they've had uh, in that relationship has been really important to them.
0: Yeah.
3: Do hard things. Hmm. Do hard things. Yeah because there's there's no there's no benefit in just doing easy stuff because we can all do easy stuff yeah so do hard thing your our family name we put a value on our family name um we would say to them you know mate some families might do that some families might think that's okay but we don't do that whatever that behavior is yeah some families might do that we don't do that i would often say to them you know remember who you are. they're going out the door to a party or you know to a birthday party or you know, a kid's thing or they're going off to spend some time at a friend's house and say you know mate, remember who you are remember whose you are mm. you're a groves mm. and you're God. so put a value to our name yeah, and uh the other thing too is that you know we said to the you know we hope hopefully that they understood that failure was acceptable but failure without effort is not i don't mind if you come home with a D, I did but you know, I don't mind if you come home with a D, but if you come home with a D because you did nothing, yeah, to, you know, to, to contribute to that result, then we're going to have a different conversation. But if yeah. you come home with a D and you even asked me for help, <laughs> when, you know, if there was some effort, there was some effort involved in getting your D. Yeah, man, that's you know, all right, there's some work here to do, but there's no punishment here. Rest is as important as work. And I I personally probably didn't move so well in this space, but the fact that you do need to rest, you do need to rest. Sometimes they rested too much, but anyway, that's what it
2: is.
3: (laughs) And then one of the things that my mum taught me was just laugh at the things that frighten you. I used to be frightened at thunder. And where I lived, where I grew up as a kid, there was lots of lightning and thunder, massive storms. Pardon me. And mum, mum just laughed at them. And so, uh, I just, yeah, I love a storm now, get outside and enjoy it. <laughs> so I just love the things that frighten you because it's not as big and hairy and scary as you think it is. Yeah. So absolutely. those are some of the things that That's we tried to focus on. Some there, there were more, There were definitely more.
0: Yeah. They're brilliant. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have had as a dad?
3: Right, right off the top of the list, it would be managing myself because there are always, there are moments of tension and there are moments when you're not at your best and your guard is down and there would be multiple times then that that i would hope that i would like to have had again so that i could have that moment back again and do it better yeah because i wasn't at my best in the way i responded to something and mm. uh one of the kids had to deal with the, with the outcome
0: yeah. so
3: self-management uh and i think that's what being a dad does do. It actually puts, it, it highlights for yourself how bad you are at managing yourself. <laughs> uh, so I think, uh, you know, discovering how being a dad really does amplify your shortcomings because we've all got them. Mm. And you know what? You can flip that thinking by saying, I'm really not good at this. And I'm going to fess up to this child that I got it wrong, that I spoke too sharply. I was too loud. I I was rude or I didn't pay you the attention that you really needed from me right then. Own it and apologize for it and show them that it's okay to be wrong, Mm. but own, own your behavior. Yeah. Because I'm going to expect that of you.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so important. So important. The ability to apologize, humble yourself and apologize. Let's flip it. What are some of the greatest joys for you as a dad?
3: So I think Ben, uh, as you know, we've got young adults. So seeing seeing our kids make good decisions, yeah. and and to own the result of the decision they make, whether it's a good one or a bad one. So that, and to me, that's just a culmination of uh, the all of the stuff that we've been talking about about putting value on your name, seeking counsel, all of those sorts of things. So seeing our kids make good decisions, I think certainly witnessing them owning their faith, them choosing to be around at church, choosing. Uh, friendships that are life-giving and and it was a wholesome but wholesome yes spending time with kids who are unchurched who are non-christians but mm. not being afraid to shine and and to talk about your own faith or yeah. at least to reflect christ you know, Love to, it. to to, to so other folks know that. Yep, that's that's what life means for them. And definitely seeing them managing their friendships and the relationships in ways that that honor both sides. Both sides. When your son chooses to spend time with you, hmm. Simon uh, came home uh, oh, about a month ago, and he said, "Dad, do you want to go to the golfing range?" Hmm. I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay." So drop. You know, we, we had nothing on, so. Yeah, went off we went, had an absolutely fantastic time. And other stuff like that, you know, yeah. just like choosing to spend time with you. When your kids write you a note telling you that they know you have their back, mm. always. That was just awesome. Mm. Just an awesome, awesome thing. And then watching them make difficult decisions and then owning that outcome, I think. And I mentioned that before. Yeah, It's, uh, you know, you've made your call. This is what it's gonna be. Yep. Okay. It hurts. It sucks. Uh, it's costly. I won't do that again.
0: Hmm.
3: And you're not rescuing them. It's you, this has to hurt. This has to smart just a little bit.
0: That's great. There's some great, great joys there. Uh, as we, as we wrap up tonight and I'm so glad that you've joined us and thank you so much for your wisdom. I just love you to, if you could summarize what we've talked about in three, three points. You know, if there's three things that you want to leave the listeners with, what what do you think they would be?
3: Parent for the teenage years and not for the next five minutes. These kids, are, you get 18 summers. You get 18 good summers with your kids. Yep. Do you want 20? Do you want 25? Do you want them coming back? So parent for the teenage years, because when you let them go and they go out in, into their own, finding their own life, you want to know, like I wanted, had wished I had known that, I had taught them everything I knew to tell them so they can go off and do what they need to do. I didn't have that. Self-managing yourself, managing yourself, tempering your own emotions. It's not that you're never angry. It's just what you do with it. It's it's, it's all of that. And then finally allowing, and I mentioned this before, letting your kids see you admit your mistakes to them and apologizing to them for them.
0: That is absolute, Gold, fathering gold, parenting gold, humanity, life gold. Thank you so much, Mike, for your time tonight on the Virtual Man Cave podcast. We really appreciate it.
3: You're welcome, Ben. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Proper dad joke. (laughs) our favourite Bristolian, Dan Hamer. Dan, how are you doing, mate?
3: I'm good. Thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Very well. I'm just worried. Are you going to be able to top last week's dad joke with this week? Hit what? us.
3: I can, I can only try. This one actually is a nod to my dad because this one was my, one of my dad's favourites. So he always used to tell me, So um, why, do, why do golfers only wear one glove? And he always used to tell me, well, it might be hot, but on the other hand, it might be cold. <laughs> hey, there you go.
0: I'm enjoying these. These are really good. I hope, I hope our listeners are as well. Much. Oh, Thanks, mate. So. Episode three of season two of Virtual Man Cave podcast is done. Thank you to those who are tuning in. Thank you to all the contributors. Hope you've taken something from it, listeners from this episode that can help you as a dad, as a husband, as a man of faith in Jesus. Take care.